0: Welcome to this week's Gold Dome Debrief, a weekly podcast covering the 2022 Georgia General Assembly session. I'm Taylor Ryman.
1: And I'm Alex Guevara. Coming up on today's podcast, we will take an in-depth look at the critical changes to a proposed election law.
0: And we will take a look at efforts to move the medical cannabis industry forward in Georgia. But first, these are the headlines from this week's General Assembly. On Wednesday, Governor Brian Kemp signed the Unmask Georgia Students Act, which gives parents the right to decide if their children should wear masks in public schools during the COVID-19 pandemic. The House on Tuesday passed Senate Bill 345, a bill that would ban governments, schools, and state and local agencies from requiring people to get the COVID-19 vaccine. This would not apply, however, to health care providers. Republicans say the bill does not question vaccine effectiveness, but gives Georgians a choice on what they put in their bodies. Democrats say the bill will increase distrust of the vaccines and increase the risk of people contracting COVID-19. The bill passed the House 99 to 76 along party lines.
1: After protracted negotiations, the Mental Health Parity Act passed both the Senate and the House this week. The bill would require insurance companies to cover mental health care and physical health care equally, would create a police-partnered co-responder unit for individuals experiencing a mental crisis, and would reform various facets of mental health care across the state. During Senate deliberations, many interested parties attended the hearing. An online disinformation campaign falsely claimed the bill advocated for less harsh treatment of pedophiles. The opposition also claimed that the bill could transform into a red flag law or a gun control law that allows someone to petition the court to remove firearms from a person who may endanger themselves or others. The House approved the Senate amendment unanimously with 166 votes. Now the Mental Health Parity Act heads to the governor's desk for final approval into law.
0: The Georgia Constitutional Carry Act, which passed the Senate at the end of February, passed the House along party lines on Wednesday. Republican lawmakers want to make it legal to carry a concealed firearm without a state permit. In Georgia, individuals who legally own a gun cannot openly carry their firearms beyond their house or vehicle. Several lawmakers stood to speak on the bill, including Democratic Representative Sam Park from Lawrenceville, who argued the bill is unnecessary.
2: This is ridiculous. It is not difficult to get a gun in the state of Georgia. What, what issue or problem does this bill solve?
0: Republican Representative Jay Collins from Villa Rica spoke in favor of the bill, arguing that it protects Second Amendment rights.
2: Why should you have to go to a court and get a permit to be able to carry a gun to protect yourself?
0: It passed 100 to 67 and is now awaiting the governor's signature.
1: The controversial education issue surrounding discussions of race and racism in public schools moved forward this week with House Bill 1084, The Senate Education and Youth Committee passed the bill on Monday, which would prohibit the teaching of divisive concepts involving race, oppression, and systemic racism. A group of students attended the meeting to speak against the bill, but the committee chairman did not allow public comment. Student protesters spoke out, asking for the chance to speak, but Chairman Chuck Payne, a Republican from Dalton, refused.
3: Excuse me. Excuse me. We are, we are having a meeting. I don't care. This is the second time you've done this to me. To all the students here. Georgia will remember you for this.
1: The bill passed committee and in the next day or two must be approved by the Senate to move forward. The Senate passed a bill Wednesday that would require school boards to schedule public comment periods. Senate Bill 588 would also require school board websites to prominently display schedules and rules of conduct bill supporters say it would improve school board transparency and give parents more access to elected officials. Republican representative Bonnie Rich from Suwanee says since children spend more time in school than at home, parental access to school board members needs to be protected.
0: As a parent, I have always been keenly aware that my children during school spend during the school year spend more of their waking hours under the care, direction and instruction of their teachers and administrators than they do with me. It's important that we protect our parents' voices and what happens in that school building.
1: Senate Bill 588 passed the House earlier in the week on Monday, 129 to 41.
0: Senate Bill 226, which would require a new process for removing banned books from schools, will now go to Governor Brian Kemp for his signature after the Senate accepted changes made to the bill on Wednesday. The current version of the bill would allow parents to issue a complaint on materials they oppose. School principals would have seven days to decide if the materials need to be removed and a further 10 days to inform those submitting complaints. Local school boards would have 30 days to decide on any appeals. The House changes to the bill say that only the titles of contested works must be posted online instead of the content of contested portions. These changes were accepted in the Senate 29 to 21. The bill allowing food truck owners to operate statewide, eliminating the costly fees they pay to operate in more than one county, passed the Senate after unanimously passing the House two weeks ago, Lawmakers say they hope to cut through some of the red tape the small business owners face. Now, the bill heads to the governor's desk.
1: The Office of Insurance and Safety Fire Commissioner announced on Tuesday that it levied the largest fine in the office's history against health insurance agency Blue Cross Blue Shield, also known as Anthem. The $5 million fine results from alleged repeated violations of policyholders' rights over many years. Insurance and Safety Fire Commissioner John F. King says Anthem has an inaccurate list of which healthcare providers are in network. King says policyholders choose healthcare providers only to later find that they were not in network. Then, patients have to pay out of pocket or the providers do not receive payment. Additional fines could be levied if Anthem does not develop a new process for handling complaints, load provider contacts in a timely manner, and pay claims within the time frame established by state law according to the Office of Insurance and Safety Fire Commissioner.
0: During this year's legislative session, lawmakers proposed several bills centered on women's health care. One issue many women face is the costs associated with childbirth, even with health insurance. Lindsay Carter has the story.
4: 22-year-old Mackenzie Robinson is expecting her first boy to be born next month. She says that she has spent thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses even though she has Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance.
5: I owe $5,000 in medical bills already and I still haven't delivered yet, so it's going to get worse. Um, And we've had to start paying out-of-pocket for a lot of baby supplies because we won't get any assistance from the government once the baby's here.
4: Robinson explains that she is experiencing what doctors consider a high-risk pregnancy.
5: Um, The big bills that I remember are the genetic and lab testing that they do at your 12-week appointment. I've been sent to the hospital twice um, and have had to have a renal ultrasound and some other. I'm high-risk. And I have some stuff going on with my gallbladder caused by pregnancy and my liver, and that's increased a lot. And they've had to do a lot of blood work. And every time they do blood work, it's a
4: $1,000. Robinson and her husband, John, have an income that is too high for Medicaid, but their current insurance simply does not cover all the tests needed for high-risk pregnancy. She would prefer to be covered by Medicaid because it would make things easier and pay in for baby formula, diapers, less medical bills, and even have money for medicine. Each year in Georgia, more than 120,000 babies are born. On average, the hospital charges nearly $15,000 per birth. Those with health insurance and not at high risk like Robinson – will still pay about $7,000 out-of-pocket with health insurance. Unfortunately for expected moms in Georgia, the Medicaid expansion bill is stuck in the house and may not receive a vote until the session ends. At this year's State of State Address, Governor Brian Kemp proposed expanding Medicaid from 6 months to 12 months. Medicaid gives moms the security of not having to worry about doctor bills, delivery fees, and prescriptions not only for their baby, but themselves. Even though Robinson has insurance through Blue Cross Blue Shield, she says money is still tight.
5: It's definitely taught me that I needed to be smarter with my money, because I have to figure out how I'm going to pay all these medical bills. And on top of the expensive of having a child, like formula and stuff is super expensive too. I wouldn't say scared, but more weary.
4: For expectant moms like Robinson, they often turn to volunteer medical nonprofit organizations that provide extra care for pregnant women. But she was turned away because several of them are understaffed and overwhelmed with patients.
5: If I tried to call a pregnancy resource center mm-hmm. when I first found out, because I didn't believe I was pregnant, um, and I think they're so overwhelmed with a understaffing even though they're volunteers so I guess lack of volunteers but it was going to be months out before I could even get an appointment.
4: Robinson plans to have a vaginal birth with an epidural which could spike the cost of labor and would further add to the family's expenses. They plan to request a payment plan at Tanner Hospital in Carrollton. For Gold Dome Debrief, I'm Lindsay Carter.
1: Election integrity remains at the top of many legislators' priorities during the session, despite the election law passed a year ago. During this year's session, a substantial voting rights bill was introduced in response to the 2020 fraud allegations in the presidential election. Aliyah McConnell has the story.
6: The Senate Ethics Committee gathered on Tuesday to vote on a controversial voting bill that ultimately went through an extreme revision. Originally, SB 1464 would have granted the Georgia Bureau of Investigation full jurisdiction over election fraud allegations, placed limits on private donations to the state elections board, and allowed for inspection of paper ballots after an election. It was introduced after the passage of the Election Integrity Act that now requires mail-in voters to submit identification and limits access to ballot drop boxes. Both Republican and Democrat county election officials appeared before the Senate Ethics Committee and urged it not to pass the law as written. It was unusual to see a bipartisan effort to change the wording of the bill. The once 39-page document was trimmed down to just two pages, with only one provision remaining, requiring businesses to allow their employees up to two hours off of work to vote on election days and during early voting periods. Senator Gloria Butler, a Democrat from DeKalb County, thanked the sponsor of the bill, Republican Representative James Burchett from Waycross, for allowing community men- members to voice their opinions on this bill. And I just wanted to uh, express my gratitude for the, the public that came out to speak and to express their concerns and appreciate you for allowing that to take place. Senate President Pro Tem Butch Miller had lawmakers rumbling with laughter with his remarks on the bill's stark difference.
2: Questions What happened to your bill? Uh,
6: it <laughs> so was I, 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 like it's on
5: Slim I'll Fast. I'll
6: <laughs> with all joking aside, the bill passed the Senate Ethics Committee unanimously and is now headed for a floor vote. This bill seems to signal the end of any further actions toward election reform for this year. For Gold Dumb Debrief, I'm Aliyah McConnell.
0: The debate over medical marijuana resurfaced during this General Assembly session. Both chambers passed the bill that would allow the governor to select up to six companies to receive licenses to legally distribute medicinal marijuana oil in Georgia. Adam Stevens has the story.
3: Under current law, THC oil is illegal to sell or distribute in Georgia. THC oil is made from the cannabis plant. Unlike CBD, which must have no more than 0.3 percent THC, in Georgia, the medical marijuana oil has more than this amount. THC oil is legal to use, but because many Georgians need these medications, they often are required to go across state borders to purchase it. That's because it is illegal to sell or distribute it. It puts those who need it into a quandary. THC oil is legal to use, but not legal to buy in Georgia. The bill before Governor Kemp's desk seeks to fix this problem by allowing him to award licenses to potential businesses to sell the product. N.R. is 22 years old and asked us not to reveal his full name. In the past, he used medical marijuana to treat inflammation after his workouts and to manage his anxiety. He says since the law, as originally written, does not make sense, it's not surprising that Georgians have traveled out of the state to buy medical marijuana, including THC oil.
2: I mean, I I would have to say that's just a wee bit silly, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, at that point, that's literally just tax money that Georgia is, is throwing down the toilet, if, if especially if they know that these Georgians are doing that. I mean, they're not going to stop doing that. You might as well take advantage of tax dollars and make it legal here.
3: Ryan Ralston, the executive director at Peachtree Normal, disagrees with the General Assembly's new approach of awarding licenses to businesses.
2: It's a step in the right direction, but the infrastructure is not in place. I've spoken privately with really pro- prolific hemp farmers around the state who have, who have been growing hemp for years. And, you know, they've told me privately that, you know, unless you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in capital just kind of sitting around, you're not going to get one of these licenses. I mean, it's, it's just so deep rooted in corruption, really top down from the, the Georgia General Assembly down
3: Ralston says the General Assembly has not built the infrastructure needed in the state to sell THC oil.
2: I think maybe their heart was in the right place, but... The General Assembly a lot of times get it wrong, and there's not an infrastructure in place right now to support what they're trying to do. There's just not. And even if uh, these six licenses you know, we're not tied up in litigation, I mean, we were realistically thinking 2023 to 2024 timeframe before these dispensaries were even going to be open. So you're looking at another year and a half to two years of 20,000 plus people having to wait or continue to violate the law by going outside of Georgia and bringing in the oil. So they, they haven't really fixed anything in my, my personal opinion.
3: If the House and Senate reconcile their versions of the bill and Governor Kemp signs it into law, then we will see if growers and businesses take advantage of this new business opportunity to sell THC oil to those with serious medical conditions. For Gold Dome Debrief, I'm Adam Stevens.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's Gold Dome Debrief. This week's podcast was produced at Kennesaw State University by the Center for Sustainable Journalism and Fresh Take Georgia. Josh Azriel is the podcast news manager. Gary Green is the executive producer. Ambria Burton is the podcast editor. Please join us next week for another edition of Gold Dome Debrief.